I'm going to ask you to turn in God's Word to the book of Psalms this morning. We're looking at a familiar psalm, and that'll be Psalm number 55. Psalm 55, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, would turn with us. And then having found your place in the Psalms, I'm looking at some verses this morning also in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 6. And then Psalm number 55. We'll go there first. Well, I tell you, it's wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord. In His presence is fullness of joy. Times of refreshings come from His presence. And those verses are very appropriate for our gathering this morning. There is a wonderful sense of God's presence here. And so I'm, well, I'm honored and I'm humbled. And it's such a joy to be able to come and stand here where God's man stands and open God's word with you. I'm looking forward to what God has for us these days together. I'm sorry I jinxed the preacher. He said last evening I brought a curse with me, put it on his game. I got a note from him. My wife, I was in Detroit, Michigan last week and... She is reading some mail to me, and she said, here's a note from Temple Baptist Church and Pastor Trivet, and said, uh, he's telling you where to go, where you'll be staying, and said, he's putting you in a motel out there, and said, it's a new motel, and said, if the room's too nice, call him, and he can put you in a cheaper motel, so. <laughs> and uh, she read that, and I said, well, that's Brother Trivet. <laughs> So when she called me last where I called when I got to the room, she said, your room nice? I said, yeah, I'm not going to tell him. I want to stay here, amen. <laughs> My joy to be with you. I love you, preacher, and his family, and I tell you the music of this church. It's great. It's the best. I'll just be honest with you. This is just, uh, God's presence is just uh, amazing here this morning. I thought about telling you I don't preach as long on Sunday mornings as I do in the evenings, but you might not want to come back in the evening if he told you I'd go and preach a extra long time, and I don't do that. But uh, my burden, my ministry involves revival. Basically, I don't know much about it. I just know that's our need. I know it's my need personally. I believe God wants to give us a spiritual awakening. I didn't believe he is able and wanted to do that. I wouldn't be away from home this morning. But I'm going to share the messages that year basically to revival to the evening services. I came this morning just with a simple text out of God's word. The psalmist, David, is opening his heart. He's troubled. He says, there's pain within me. Do you ever have a broken heart? Ever feel pained within? David says in Psalm 55 and verse 4, My heart's sore pain within me. Terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I'd fly away and be at rest. Then would I wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah, he says. Ponder that. Think about it. 
I'd hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Well, David is realistic. He knows he doesn't have wings. He can't fly. He can't get away from his situation. So what he does is a summary verse of this chapter, and it's in verse number 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. What do you do when you're so broken and burdened that you really don't know what to do? David, I think, had in mind it's when he'd been held up at times in those caves and he saw a dove. Perhaps this is where this experience came from. He saw that dove flit from the mouth of the cave. David looked and he said, if I could do that, I would. If I had wings like that dove. I'd just move from my situation and I'd be at rest. The world is searching. Most of the time, most of them don't know what they're searching for. But rest, inner peace, contentment within. David says you can't fly away from it. You can't escape it that way, but what you can do is cast your burden upon the Lord. Over in the Galatian letter, Galatians chapter number six, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And uh, Paul brings the same truth, at least in part, brings it into focus. He says, brethren, verse one, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I call our attention to one word that's found in two of these verses. And then it's found in that key verse back in Psalm 55 and verse 22. Verse number two, it's the word burdens. Verse number five, he brings it into focus again and he says every man shall bear his own burden. This text, as it's laid on my heart this morning, became... God's word to my heart a few years ago, I was in the pastorate then, 35 years so that I've been in the ministry, 20 of them has been in the pastorate. And a man made an appointment in sitting in the pastor's study. He said something that as I thought about it this morning, I can still sense what I sensed in that room as I looked into his face and heard his voice. He had a broken heart. He had enough burden on him for a dozen people. 
And he looked at me, and had you looked into the man's face and heard his voice, I believe you'd agreed with me that this man is expressing his heart to the preacher. He called me pastor, and he said, Pastor, what does the Bible say that I can do with my burden? I've never forgotten that. He had such hopes, he told me, for that boy, their oldest child, ended his life with his own hands. Such a tragic situation. And there sat that man across from the pastor a few days after that. And he said, Pastor, what does the Bible say that I can do with my burdens? I'd never really thought about it in that pointed way, I guess. I'd preached on this truth. But that caused me to take the subject, the burdens of life, and begin to just see what does God's word say. Best of my ability, I looked at every time the word's used in every way that it's used in this book. You'll find them scores, literally, literally scores. Sometimes the burden's used in the sense of, of having a concern. Sometimes it's the burden of the Lord. Uh, the prophets would talk about as God would pressure them to say something. But in the sense that I'm using it this morning, the Bible only says three things, basically, about what we can do with the burdens of life. One of them's in Psalm 55. Two of them is in the passage just before us. I came back before our people and I preached that message and I would guess five years after preaching that message, I was in where up uh, around Charleston, West Virginia in a meeting. I'd left the pastorate by then. And the pastor said, there's a, there's a pastor here from Pennsylvania. He drove over to meet you, Brother Hurt, and to see you tonight. And said, he's in our service. And after the meeting, I met him. And he said, Brother Hurt, you preached a message on what to do with the burdens of life a few years ago. He said, maybe I should have gotten in touch with you then, but said, I was remiss in doing it. Said, I got your tapes. I'd never met you. I didn't know the man. I'd never seen him. He said, I got your weekly tapes. And he said, the day that that tape arrived in my mailbox, I came from the cemetery. I buried my wife and our only two children. Tragically killed in an accident. And he said, I pulled the tape out of the mailbox and I opened it and you had preached on what to do with the burdens of life. He was kind to me. He gave credit and glory to God. He said, I think God used that message, Brother Hurt, to sustain me through the darkest hour I ever went through in my life. Could you imagine? There's a young pastor some years later, I felt his heart. He talked to me with tears trickling down his face and said, I didn't even want to live when I left that cemetery and left all that was dear to me out there. Well, what do you do with the burdens, those pressures, those weights, as this word is using, that which is oppressive and heavy and almost beyond our bearing? Three things God's word says. I just mentioned one of them. In detail, I mentioned the other two, but just spend a few minutes with one of them. David, we'll come back to him. David is disturbed. David wants to get away. David wants to run from his situation. 
David just feels if he can escape it, then David said there is something you can do about it, though you cannot run away from it. You have to face the reality. We can't bear a head in the sand, says it does not exist. We have to open our eyes and be realistic. And David says there's something to do in that situation. But Paul, writing to the church at Galatia, it, it, it would seem when you first read these verses here, and uh, that being in this uh, uh, Bible preaching and teaching church, I need not spend any time here. You already know this. But in verse number two, he says, bear one another's burdens. Then verse five, he says, every man shall bear his own burden. I've had questions asked me, pastor or preacher, is that contradictory? There's one verse that says we can help each other with burdens, and the other simply says we have to take care of our own burden. As you students know, there's a different emphasis there and a different word, really. Two different ideas. The word in verse number five, every man shall bear his own burden, has to do basically with individual responsibility. Things that you couldn't transfer to anyone else. Things that we're accountable for. The pressure that's, the burdens, the responsibilities, those weights, if you please, that's and a lot of all of us, our duty. I'm not spending time so much with that. I simply call that kind of burden must be shouldered. We must put our own shoulder, our own responsibility. Every man gives an account of himself to God. Every man's born alone. He, in some sense, has to live his life isolated, alone. In one sense, he lives that way. And then when he dies, he dies alone. And when we face God, we have to face him alone. No one can walk up and put their shoulder under your responsibility and help you in that area. Burdens that must be shouldered. Responsibilities that no one else can take for us. But I'm interested in this passage basically in burdens not only that must be shouldered, but burdens that can be shared. Look at verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens... And Paul says, in doing that, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. What do we understand from that expression? Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, a new law, a new principle. He says, love one another. And Paul, writing to these of uh, God's people over in Galatia, he says they're a burden, some of them, and the burden that he has in mind, basically, is the burden of failure. Leaving it in his context, if anyone be overtaken in a fault, the idea he has fallen, he's down. What do you do when someone falls around you? The natural response is not to pick him up. The natural response is to criticize him. Not criticize him, ignore him. Find fault with him. And yet here's Paul coming to the church at Galatia and the Spirit of God saying to him, if someone in your company, in your group, in your fellowship has been tripped up and they're down, they're defeated, they're discouraged, they have failed, Paul says, you which are spiritual, you restore such a one. Don't ignore him, don't criticize him. Don't go and judge him. Paul says restore him. And as you know, that's an interesting word. Comes from a medical background. It's like I've got a, I got a hand out of socket this morning. And that skilled surgeon with tenderness and skill, he sets that. That's the idea. Bone out of place. And it's being restored. It's been put back. 
And he says if there's someone that has failed to the point they've, they've, they've fallen, they're defeated, they've sinned, if you please. Oh, I was in a place the other day and a dear man of God said, Brother Hurt, if we could just get people restored that's down and out, he said, we couldn't, our building wouldn't hold them. I said, you're not unique. That's true about everywhere I know anything about. You know anybody this morning that's down, anybody that's discouraged, someone used to meet with you, they're not here anymore. Someone used to have a song, but they've lost it. In the city the other day, and I asked about a preacher, and he said, uh, I said, have you seen him? And this preacher said, been a while. He said, in fact, we're going right by where he's at right now. He's not preaching now. He's in a business. He said, in fact, we're within five minutes of it. He said, would you like to stop? And I said, yeah, let's go by. He was speaking with a man in his office. His back was to me when I walked to the door. Well, I've preached for him when there's larger crowds than there are here. He's preached in my pulpit. I spoke to him. I didn't know how I'd be received. I'd heard there's bitterness and resentment and so on. He's defeated. He's discouraged. He's down. I just simply said, God, just want me to stop and tell you that I pray for you. I'd like to visit if I could for a minute. If I can say it in the right spirit, God came in that, in that office like you wouldn't believe. Oh, not because of me, but his presence, the, oh, the obvious presence of the spirit of God, that dear man, he just got up and knelt right on the floor. He said, Brother Hurt, would you pray for me? The man there with him said, you don't mind. He said, no, I'll kneel with you. Oh, I've been criticized. Some of the legalists and the Pharisees have already, Brother Hurt's a compromiser. Well, you can say, they can say what they want to. But I'm not going to treat anyone any, any different than the way Jesus does. Oh, someone you know that's down? Someone discouraged? Somebody that's not now walking with God? He, he calls it a burden. He says, bear ye one another's burdens and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, I know that covers a wide area, those burdens, but staying with its context, he, he's talking about failure. He's talking about somebody discouraged. He's talking about somebody down. You know anyone down this morning? Maybe a, a word of encouragement. Maybe a phone call. Maybe just go by and just simply say to them, oh, not to put approval on if they've done wrong, but just go to them and just simply say, I'm praying for you. It's amazing. The Bible says love never fails, and if we can do it with the grace and the love and the compassion of Calvary they've been singing about, I tell you, it'll make a difference. There's burdens that must be shouldered. That's personal responsibilities. All of us are responsible. There's burdens that can be shared. Somebody down this morning, someone away this morning, maybe make a phone call. Better than that, go see them. Make a visit personally with kindness, not as a prosecuting attorney, not going to try to investigate them. Just simply go because they belong to the body. They're still part of the body. A member out of joint, still a member of the body. It just needs to get back. So he says, bear one another's burdens and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. 
But I close where I started this morning. David is trying to get away from an oppressive situation. David trying to get away from that which was almost unbearable. He said his heart was so paining within him. David is aware that perhaps death is is imminent and around him, surrounds him, even the, the terror of death itself. David said it's cloaked itself upon me. It's fallen upon me. And in that situation, David said, you can't fly away from it. You can't run from it. But what you can do, you can cast your burden on the Lord and you can be sustained through it. So there's burdens that must be shouldered. There's burdens that can be shared. But for my little outline this morning, I use this. There's burdens that can be shed. I mean by that, if you had a soiled garment on, you laid that garment aside, you'd shed that garment. You'd just get rid of it. You'd put it away from you. There's some burdens other people cannot put their shoulder under and take it for you. In this sense here, you can't bear it yourself. You can't shoulder it. Others can't share it. But thank God you can shed it. You can cast it on the Lord. And he'll sustain you either one of two ways. He'll either take it away or if it's the kind of situation he's wanting us to put up with, he will sustain us and help us through it. He doesn't always take the oppressive uh, situation away from us, but when we permit him, he's a present help in time of trouble. As they saying, Calvary can come through for us again. I won't go into any detail, but suffice it to say there was a businessman and uh, the way he tells the story, he said his wife was taken from him rather suddenly with a rather short illness and some mystery about her illness. And she was taken in death from him and they had a little five-year-old girl. And uh, he said, the very first day after the burial of my companion, he said, we returned back to, as he put it, that big old empty house. And I felt like that I, instead of going to some of the family, I just needed to take that little one right back and I was trying to convey to her that God hadn't made a mistake. Mom is with Jesus and I just, we just need to face reality. And he said the very first night, as he put it, in that big old house, he said I'd put her to bed and said out of the darkness, I thought she'd already perhaps gone to sleep. I heard her emotion-filled voice and she's calling for me and I get to her room, get a light on and she says, Daddy, I, I miss Mommy. And he said, I, best I knew how, I tried again to tell that little five-year-old. I, I pondered that this morning. How would you tell a five-year-old? We have a five-year-old granddaughter. How would you tell a five-year-old little girl about the death of its mother? <clears throat> and that dear man said, I tried my best to tell that little girl again. God had made a mistake. Mommy is with Jesus and tried to get her to go to sleep and the lights are off again and he said, I hear her a little voice. turned toward my room and that dear man said, I assured that little girl, I'm looking right toward your room. I'm going to keep my face toward your room. And then he said, after she was asleep, God permitted me later in the night Echo that cry toward him. And God seemed to say, Son, my face is looking right toward you. 
And many years later, that man said, I've been conscious of the fact he's been looking my way and he has sustained me through the difficult hours. Oh, he's looking your way this morning. Would you cast your care? He'll let you cast all, a double L, all your care because he cares for you. Preachers already said revival is that new commitment, new vision, new love. I mean, just getting loose from things that pull us down. Getting back in touch and tune with him. And I tell you, a revived person, a revived church, the Lord just shines through us in a way. They see Calvary. They see his grace. They see his love. Revival is God consciousness, just God walking with us. Oh, this morning, he wants some of us to cast our care on him. He wants some of us to help somebody else with a heavy load. Maybe someone's under a burden of failure. They're down. They're defeated. They've sinned. They've just fallen. Why, the Lord, well, you're fulfilling his command. You'll love that man or woman if you go to him and not go to him with a centrist spirit and trying to find fault and put him down, but go with a broken heart considering yourself, lest you be there. And go there with tears. And I promise you, you'll sense the love of Calvary flowing around you if you'll reach out to someone in his name to try to help them get back up and get back in tune with God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Thank you for praying for me all over the room, God's people, in a moment of quietness. I, I sense the Lord wants the pastor. Pastor, you just come and, and you conclude the service as however God wants you to. No one's looking around. All over the room, God's people, in a moment of quietness, the pastor's here.